0: The first reading is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her.
1: Reading from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. to those on whom his favour rests.
0: Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
2: It's Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Hands up if
3: you or one of your family have been in a nativity in the past week or so. A few of you, did you remember your lines? Did you remember your lines? Did you remember all of the actions and all of the things to do? It's great fun as you get ready for a nativity isn't it and not just in the nativity but the run up to it as well because there's all the drama of who's going to play the different parts. Now, at one level everybody wants to be Mary and Joseph. But when I was a lad all them years ago um, actually everybody wanted to be the innkeeper because there was something great and fun about slamming a door in somebody's face and saying there's no room. That's just the build up. Then you get to the nativity itself, and one of the great excitements about the nativity is when it slightly goes awry. Um, I had fun for a few minutes this week looking at some videos of nativities where things had gone a little bit wrong. My favourite was um, the little stable scene with Jesus, Mary, Joseph, an angel, and two shepherds—sorry, two sheep, two sheep—all dressed up, all looking beautiful. The the choir is singing sweetly in the corner. Uh, I think it was away in a manger. And uh, one of the sheep decides she wants to have a cuddle with baby Jesus. So <laughs> she reaches into the manger and grabs the baby and turns around to the mums and dads with this big beaming smile on her face, which would be funny enough were it not for the fact that Mary's not having any of it. So <laughs> she comes up from behind and grabs the baby and puts it back in the manger. Not to be outdone, the sheep, the sheep turns around, grabs the baby, and then the video cuts out as the four-year-old Mary has got her arms around the three-year-old sheep in a headlock trying to get this baby. Because everybody gets excited, not just about their run-up to a nativity and what part they're going to play, but also when things go slightly off script. But it isn't only kids who love to put themselves into Stories. All of us do that. We've grown up doing it, and in one sense, we're taught to do it. Part of it, in the fictional sense, is a good story is made great in the way that it draws you in and has you thinking you're one of the characters. But historical books and biographies are great as they draw you in and make you think what it would be like to live in that person's shoes. So I wonder tonight, of all the characters in the Nativity, who do you feel you're most like? We've read a number of passages, not only to remind ourselves of the Nativity story, but also that you would hear all six of the key characters. The first one, most obviously, is Mary. Perhaps you would resonate with Mary, who's a quiet young lady whose life was totally changed. Mary didn't come from a rich, famous family. She was married to a carpenter. As far as she and Joseph were concerned, as they were looking forward to their marriage, I should say, everything was just going to be an ordinary, normal life. Until Gabriel appeared and all of those plans suddenly changed. She would miraculously conceive a child who would be The son of God. Mary was a Jew. And for generations, that people group had been waiting for a coming king who would sit on the throne of the great king David. Here is Gabriel saying, You will give birth to a king who will reign forever. It's an amazing news story. Some pregnancies are a surprise blessing. But none are more surprising or a greater blessing than Mary's pregnancy. But lest we only see the upside, Mary is going to face a cloud of scandal for the pregnancy in the early years of Jesus' life. All of her friends, family, neighbors they're all going to assume that she slept with someone before she was married. And for a faithful Jew, that would be a really hard burden to carry. So there's the sense of wonder, and then there's also that that fear of scandal. And here's Mary, this courageous young woman, despite all the questions that she didn't know the answers to and all the fear of what was to come, declaring herself to be the Lord's servant and treasuring everything in her heart. Maybe you relate to Mary, this quiet young woman with this courageous faith who is favoured by God. Or perhaps you relate to Joseph. Joseph's the honourable young man who wants to do everything right, he wants to be right by the law, and he wants to be right by Mary. Once he found out that Mary was pregnant and he knew he wasn't the dad, he thought that he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, but had in mind to divorce her quietly. Even in the midst of all of what seemed to him like a mess, he was concerned for Mary and her reputation. He wanted to do what is honorable and right until he met an angel. And the angel explained what was happening to him because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. And there's Joseph. He's now got all of these unanswered questions. He knows that he's going to be living under this cloud of a scandal, but he is committed to do the honorable thing. Maybe you know that's not quite you, and you resonate a bit more with the shepherds. Not because they're outdoorsy and you love animals, but because about 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, shepherds were the outcasts. Shepherds were viewed, if you look at the Jewish records, they were on a par with, with tax collectors and gamblers. As far as the world was concerned in, in, in and around Israel, shepherds roamed looking for fresh pasture all along and were probably stealing. That's the reputation they had. So for these shepherds, everybody... Didn't trust them. They always felt like they were on the outside and that they were unloved. Perhaps they were waiting for something to go on that would draw them in. Now, if any of them were thinking anything like that, none of them were imagining what was going to happen on this hillside. Because God rends apart that gap between the spiritual world that's right in front of our noses, but we can't see it, and the physical world that we live in. And not only do they see one angel, and that would have been enough, they see an entire sky full of angels, a great company of the heavenly hosts, who fill the sky with God's praise. God delivers this amazing news, to the untrusted, unloved shepherds who were told, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. What a transformation for these shepherds. All of these outcasts and unloved people were given the greatest message the world has ever heard. And not only that, but were given a heart to respond to the Lord Jesus themselves. Perhaps you relate most to the shepherds. For whatever reason, you might feel on the edge, somewhat unloved and not well thought of. Perhaps you relate with that group of people who suddenly had this wonderful experience and you're waiting for a similar event to take place to fill your heart with a reason to sing. Or perhaps you click with the wise men. These astrologers were spiritually interested people. They had some idea of what was going on. They were looking into the sky for some kind of answer. And as they followed the star into the Holy Land and then eventually were directed by the Jewish leaders and the star to Bethlehem, they realized that the one that they were seeing was the promised king of the Jews. And maybe that would describe you. You've got some kind of level of spiritual interest, but you still feel like you're searching, wondering when you'll come to find the one true living God. There's four characters. And maybe you might relate a little bit more to one or maybe to some of the characteristics of two or more. But I can guarantee you one thing. Absolutely none of you want to be Herod. Nobody wants to be Herod. Herod's the power-grabbing king who is going to commit atrocities to protect his power. He's been on the throne for something like 30 years. And all he can see as he hears this story about a new king is a threat. Someone had come who might unseat him, might take over his reign. And so he plays along with the wise men, thinking or telling them that he would worship this newborn king, knowing all the way along that he's going to end up killing him as soon as he possibly can. No one wants to be Herod. Which makes it really surprising when you get into the Bible's story that the Bible tells us that by our own nature, we're all something like Herod in the way we think about God. None of us want to make room for God. None of us want to live in his world and recognize that he's the great king. We want to live our lives our way. Now, you might say to me, well, I'm, I'm never going to hurt anyone in wanting to be my own king or queen of my life. And, and that's a good thing. It really is. But how about if we reframe the question towards the end of Matthew's gospel we read a bit from Matthew's gospel Jesus was asked this brilliant question teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law and Jesus answered love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind that's what it means to live in a world where God is king I haven't done that And before I became a Christian, I didn't even want to do that. In fact, before I became a Christian, there were too many times when what I knew God wanted me to do made me do the opposite. And the things that I knew he wanted me to do, I would never do. Praise God, I have never committed genocide. But I have lived my life before I became a Christian in a way that would make sure God wasn't king. Sinfully, I thought I could live in God's world, enjoy all of his good things, and do it all on my own terms. And the Bible tells us that left to ourselves, that's how all of us would think about God. And that's when the nativity starts to become a lot more real. Something of the heart of Herod lives inside all of us. And the Bible tells us that the wages, the consequences of that sinful heart attitude is death. Not just death at the end of your mortal life, but eternal punishment from God. And none of us want that Which is why Christmas is such good news. Because even though we're born as God's enemies, God has broken in to bring us back to himself. That brings us to the sixth and most important character in the story. And he's the one none of us could ever be. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't just a fully human baby. One of the lovely carols that we often sing at this time of year captures it so beautifully when it says, Our God, contracted to a span of a hand, incomprehensibly made man. Jesus, unlike any and every other baby boy and girl, didn't begin his life in his mother's womb. He has existed for all eternity past. He is the eternal Son of God. And what we remember every single Christmas is the willingness of God to come into the created world that he had made as a vulnerable baby. All throughout this week, our news has been absorbed with Harry and Meghan's new TV series. I haven't watched it. I know there's all sorts of drama and story around it. But all I want you to think about is one of the key headlines that came out this week, which was how much Harry gave up for Meghan. Now, I know there's all sorts of debate about that and how much he's really given up and how much he's really not struggling today. I get all that. But what's the big picture? One of our princes gave up his position, his home, and his future for his wife. That's an amazing sacrifice. And it's nothing compared to what Jesus gave up for us. Jesus gave up the eternal glory of heaven to come into our earth. There's a a hymn writer called Charles Wesley who put it beautifully in one of these old carols. He laid his glory by Took form in mortal clay. Unseen by human eye, the hidden Godhead lay. Infant of days, he here became and bore the meek Emmanuel's name. Why would he do that? Why would the God of all eternity be contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man? Well, the angel told Joseph before Jesus was born. He said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas is all about God's rescue mission for helpless people like you and me. The Lord Jesus Christ came into our world to do what we could never do. He loved his heavenly father with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when he had lived his life, he did what Herod would never do. He gave it all He went to the cross, not because he deserved it. Even the people that schemed to get Jesus killed couldn't point to one single thing that warranted him being crucified. So why did Jesus die? He willingly took upon himself the wages, the consequences of our sin so that every single man, woman, boy and girl who will repent of their sin and trust in Jesus will know forgiveness from God. That's why Jesus came. He came to be the person we could never be, to take the punishment we deserve and give us the pardon we could never earn. That's what Christmas is all about. And that changes everything about the way we think about the nativity. But it doesn't stop there. You see, Christianity isn't only a faithful record of history. It's also a certain warning of the future. I don't know if you noticed as we read from both Matthew and Luke's gospel, again and again there were references to the prophecy was fulfilled. This was to fulfill what had been promised. And you think about how the Bible works. All of those books in the Old Testament, written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, contained promises pointing towards him. We look back 2,000 years to all of those promises being fulfilled. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people were waiting for those promises to be fulfilled. They were in Jesus... But there are more promises in the Bible. Jesus will come back. He will come back when we don't expect it. It will be as much of an unexpected appearance as it was for Mary, Joseph and the shepherds. And when he returns, he will not be a helpless, humble baby. You think about what the shepherds saw on the hillside that night they saw first an angel and then a heavenly host who themselves were reflecting the glory of the Lord. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we will behold the Lord of glory, who will return as the King of kings and the judge of all mankind. Every single man, woman, boy and girl who trusts in Jesus will be given a brand new eternal body and brought safely into an eternal kingdom where, do you remember about Mary's promise? His kingdom will never end. Well, because of that, we will be with him forever in a kingdom that doesn't have any of the suffering that we experience in our world. But for everyone who continues to live like Herod, saying no to God, I'm in charge, they will experience the judgment that God has come That Jesus has come to save us from. That is why we love to share the Christmas story. We want every single person to hear how you can be ready for Jesus' return. And it's our great prayer as a church family that for all of you who are here as a guest, you would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself this Christmas. There's lots of ways we would love to help you in doing that. On the way out, there are a number of books and also some Bibles. If you would like any of those, please take them. They're all completely free. If you're able to join us next Sunday evening for our carols by candlelight or on Christmas Day morning for our Christmas Day service, we would love for you to join us there. And then in the new year, on the 16th of January, we're going to be running a seven-week course to give you an opportunity to explore what it means to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We would love for you to be sure, if not this evening, this Christmas, this year, that you are ready to meet that returning King.